This is the Illumina Genomics Podcast. Hi, and welcome to episode 12 of the Illumina Genomics Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Broman, and I'm a scientific liaison here at Illumina. Every podcast, I interview genomics experts that are shaping the way we think about science and our world. The human microbiome is the collection of bacteria, viruses, and fungi that live in and on us. According to the Human Microbiome Project, we have about 10 times as many bacterial cells as human cells in our bodies. The human microbiome is sometimes referred to as our second genome. But this second genome actually contains more genes than our human genome, and it also changes over time. Although our microbiome is essential for maintaining human health, some types of changes are associated with human disease. Today, I'm at the McDonald Genome Institute at the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm here with Dr. Christine and Todd Wiley, professors of pediatrics at WashU. Christine and Todd are a husband-wife research team working on viral metagenomics and the human microbiome. They started our interview by discussing their scientific backgrounds. We've known each other since high school, actually, so we have a very long history together. Um, and our first job was actually working on the Human Genome Project. We both got jobs at the Genome Institute here. And um, although we've worked in the same field for a really long time, we haven't actually done the same things in the same field. So I'm actually a virologist by training and also do genomic analysis, but, but really am a virologist, a microbiologist. And Todd's background is very different. Yeah, I'm a bioinformatician, uh, computer scientist. As Christine mentioned, we worked on, we started working on the Human Genome Project at the Genome Sequencing Center here at WashU. I started in '96, I think the same time Christine did. Christine went back and did her graduate work, though. Ironically, we've not worked together on the same projects till the last four years. Probably about that. In the field of uh, microbiome. The Human Genome Project introduced Christine and Todd to genomics, but eventually they became interested in applying next-generation sequencing, or NGS, to the study of microbes and microbial systems. Specifically, they're interested in microbial pathogens and the human microbiome. Before um, working in the Department of Pediatrics here at the Genome Institute, I worked in Technology Development Group. The purpose of the technology development group was to get all the new toys, robots, and sequencing machines and kind of kick the tires and evaluate them. And we worked a lot with different companies. So that was kind of my role was to direct the bioinformatics for the technology development group. So since the inception of NGS, I've been involved. It was a little bit after that. So NGS really took off when I was in graduate school, and I was really doing a lot more microbiology at that time. But when I came back, it was when the Human Microbiome Project was taken off, and so we started applying NGS to microbial studies then. What kinds of scientific questions are you addressing with NGS? Oh, lots of them. So so one of the things that we're interested in is um, infectious disease just generally, how infectious diseases are diagnosed and being able to detect infectious agents. We're interested in looking at pathogens and host response. So we do a lot of looking at the microbiome, but then also doing RNA-seq and trying to see what's happening with the host. I mean, those are sort of broad areas, but then we apply it to a lot of different diseases. So one of the things that we're interested in is looking at the microbiome and associations with preterm birth. 
We've looked in the past at viruses and their association with fever in young children. The list goes on. I mean, we can really just apply these kinds of technologies to so many diseases. It's actually hard to try to figure out how how best to prioritize things and and which things to choose to pursue. Shotgun metagenomics involves capturing and sequencing all the genomic material present in a sample. This is a great approach for detecting microbes because it can detect bacteria, fungi, viruses, and parasites. An alternative approach is targeted sequencing of 16S ribosomal RNA genes in a metagenomic sample. This is commonly referred to as 16S metagenomic sequencing, and it takes advantage of the relatively short 16S ribosomal RNA sequences that are conserved within a bacterial species. Christine and Todd discuss the benefits of shotgun and 16S approaches, We like shotgun sequencing more because we can learn more about the genomes. We can tell whether there are antibiotic resistance genes, whether there are interesting pathways there that might be useful. So that's our preference. It's just more expensive than the 16S sequencing. 16S is a great way to survey, to just figure out what what organisms are there. You can usually classify to the genus level, which is generally useful, but it's nice to have more information from the shotgun sequencing. There's a good analogy that gets thrown around a lot around here about 16S, where it's really about the level of taxonomy you want to get to or can get to, depending on the species. Are you in the ballpark? Are you in the city that the ballpark's in? Or are you on home plate? (laughs) And, you know, obviously we want to be on home plate with some of the next generation agnostic technologies, but for surveys, 16S, we do quite a bit still. Current DNA or RNA-based infectious disease tests use polymerase chain reaction, or PCR, to amplify limited numbers of known genes that are specific to microorganisms. Given the ability of shotgun metagenomics to characterize all the genomic material in a sample, known and unknown, we discussed the feasibility of this approach as an infectious disease diagnostic test. Next generation sequencing is kind of agnostic. So a metagenomic sample, and we'll have it from a human host, human DNA, and any pathogens, be it bacterial, fungi, virus, what have you, in the sample. Whereas a lot of diagnostics in the clinic are PCR-based, where you have very short signatures that you're trying to interrogate against samples. For example, a respiratory panel may have 20 viruses associated with respiratory disease, whereas if you took a sequencing sample and just had agnostically looked at everything that was there, you would be able to find things that wouldn't be resolved by the PCR panel. Diagnostics can be difficult because you have to have an idea of what you're looking for before you go into the sample. You have to choose which tests you're going to use. And then there are also limitations when, for instance, the target pathogen might have a mutation so that the primers don't work. And so even though that pathogen is there, you can't detect it. So sequencing doesn't have those limitations. It's got another set of limitations, though, that we, you know, cost and speed in some cases. And even the analysis is not as simple. So a PCR test is going to tell you yes, no. And sequencing, you know, you've got a lot of things to sort through. Like Todd said, there's there's host DNA, there's other bacteria or fungi that aren't problematic. And you have to sort through all of that and try to make sense of it and figure out if you really do have a pathogen. Viral genomes are amazingly diverse, so it can be difficult to determine whether the viral sequences you can detect in your sample represent the actual pathogenic virus. Also, even during viral infections, viral genomes make up a tiny fraction of the genomic material in a metagenomic sample. To improve the sensitivity of viral detection, Christine and Todd developed ViroCap, 
a method designed to capture genomic material from all DNA and RNA viruses that can infect vertebrate hosts. For viruses, we could talk a little bit about our ViroCap capture technology that we use for capture. It's like exome capture, where you're targeting, drilling into specific DNA signatures that we've come up with for viruses. You know, and imagine an example, a viral signal can be very low. So you have to sequence through all of the human and, and everything that's there to get to that kind of low-level signal. With our ViroCap product, we enrich. That addresses one of the problems, the sensitivity problem, and that's been really useful. Bioinformatically, when you look at human from a computer science standpoint, you have one coordinate system where you have the human genome. You may have other haplotypes for people and SNPs and things like that, but it's kind of more tractable from a computer science standpoint. Whereas with metagenomics, viruses are so heterogeneous as organisms, it's thousands of reference genomes, thousands of strains to kind of sift through. So that's one of the challenges from a bioinformatics standpoint. And with microbes, a lot of the diversity hasn't yet been sampled, too. So most pathogens are probably in the databases and well-represented, but maybe not everything. We don't really know what we're missing sometimes, so that can be a challenge. In addition to the sensitivity problem, Todd and Christine discussed additional technical challenges in developing a shotgun metagenomics-based test for infectious disease. There are also unique regulatory issues that need to be worked out. For a diagnostic test, like you said, you have 20 sequences that you screen by PCR, that's a, a test. And then if you have a different diagnostic test, you can have different sequences. Whereas for a shotgun metagenomic test, you're going to have one for everything. And I guess from a regulatory point of view, that's a bit of a challenge. Yeah. I think what's probably going to happen first is that there will be a limited number of things you report back you know, based on what's actionable, what's, you know, what you really understand. But setting even the thresholds for limited detection are important to do, and we haven't done that for a lot of things. So sometimes we we can find things even with a single read against a virus that we can confirm by PCR, but we wouldn't be confident in that single read. And so we need to set thresholds where we're consistently confident based on how much of the genome is present. Going back to the 20 PCR panel where a priori you know you can vet those 20, but we can't vet all the known viruses or all the unknown viruses that next generation sequencing could uncover. I think that's part of the problem too. Controls are a problem too. So with PCR, you can put in your water control and you've got a negative and it's really simple. And with sequencing, there's so many steps in ear extraction and library construction and it just gets more and more complicated the more steps you have, and especially for things like viruses where we're doing reverse transcription and trying to look at RNA and DNA viruses, there are even more steps in there, so the controls become really, really important. In Illumina Sequencing by Synthesis, or SBS, DNA is fragmented into small pieces. These small DNA fragments are captured onto a flow cell, amplified into a cluster, and then sequenced. The nucleotide sequence of each DNA cluster is called a read. Now, the benefit of SBS is the high throughput and DNA sequencing that it enables, with each flow cell capable of producing millions or even billions of high-quality reads. But these reads are relatively short compared to traditional sequencing, and this can be a challenge for some metagenomics applications. Better host depletion could be one way to address this challenge. I think, of course, longer reads long, accurate reads um, would be useful in certain cases. It would make assembly much easier. Assembly would be easier. 
from a metagenomics, I think one of the things that people really would like to have, and this is kind of like a holy grail pursuit, is host depletion, where you can zone in for your sequencing footprint. You're not burning it, sequencing the host. You want to kind of get to the stuff you want to get to. And there are methods that do that. Nothing was perfect yet. So you can sometimes deplete your microbe inadvertently, and that's a problem. And so I think there's still ways to go on that. Christine and Todd are both excited about the future of metagenomics and the human microbiome. They highlight the need for more exploratory and descriptive studies to allow us to better understand human biology. Over the next five to ten years, they anticipate the development of metagenomic and microbiome-based clinical diagnostics. I actually just am excited about the idea of NGS as a diagnostic because I think that that probably is going to happen over the next five years or so with a lot of people really focusing on those issues of sensitivity and controls and really understanding thresholds for reporting. I think that's really going to come together in a nice usable format, I think, in the next few years. You know, I agree with Christine. I think next five, seven years, we'll see this in the clinic being utilized a lot more. What I hope to see, too, in maybe next five, ten years is You know, now diagnostics are kind of reactionary. When you get to the emergency room, you've got the problem. When sequencing becomes cheaper and kind of easier and faster, maybe prophylactically every three months, you go to the doctor every six months. When you have your physical, you get sequenced. So they look at your microbiome and and they can tell, you know, a disruption in your microbiome before a problem really exists. Something like that, I think, is really exciting. You know, we do so many of these studies now that are just exploratory and just descriptive. And I don't think the value of that should be diminished because it really does give us insight into what's normal. And we don't, we really don't fully understand that yet. So NGS is enabling a better understanding of how the human microbiome impacts human health. Future developments in NGS might ultimately lead to infectious disease testing based on shotgun metagenomics. But that's all for now. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss any of our interviews with genomics experts. Join me next time when I'll be talking with Bob Fulton, professor of genetics at Washington University and director of development at the McDonald Genome Institute in St. Louis, Missouri. We'll be discussing the Genome Reference Consortium and efforts to improve the human genome reference sequence here on the Illumina Genomics Podcast. Podcast.